And you could ask the same of my final guest in this science show full of stars, young and old. Where would a geology degree take David Flannery of the Queensland University of Technology? Running an explorer on Mars. How likely? But there he is. Oh, because I'm just feeling a bit lightheaded after being up all night uh, talking with my colleagues overseas. Do you still have to be in touch with them to say, look, send it two metres down the road and uh, turn left at the rock? We do, yeah. We're over a thousand souls, over a thousand days into this mission now, but every now and again something interesting comes up and I'm the only one in this time zone, so yeah, sometimes you've got to pull the all-nighter. So what do you do? Do you watch the vision of it being sent back and say that particular rock emplacement looks okay? Essentially, yes. Yeah, every day, more or less, we'll get a ton of data back from the rover. Images, but also other information, the weather, the radiation environment, the spectroscopic data, like what are the rocks made of, that sort of thing. And generally, if we make a move, we'll get something called a workspace. So we'll see all the rocks around us in a 360 degree sort of panorama, and we'll discuss together what looks the most interesting, what are our priorities again, what are we trying to achieve on this mission again, what should we look at, and on this particular mission, what should we sample? How did you get the training to do that? Because that's an assuming that the rocks on the Mars are the same as the rocks here. Unfortunately, they are more or less the same. It is a huge effort with a giant team, and probably the most satisfying part of my involvement is just working with so many people. We've got hundreds of really good engineers. We've got a science team of over 100 people across the globe. Um, we've all got our priorities and, and like to argue about our different things. But, uh, but yes, essentially, we all drive consensus and come to some agreement over what we'd like to do on any particular day. I had a view that it was only David in charge, though. <laughs> no, I'm a small and inefficient cog in a giant machine. I don't believe it for a second. However, had you had any incidences over the months the rover's been going around when you said, hang on, look at that over there, and as you went closer, what happened? All the time. <laughs> in fact, just last night, I can't talk about that in detail, but we're always on the lookout for something new. And this mission has produced a whole lot of surprises. And we haven't found evidence for life just yet. That is one of our goals. We're looking for evidence of past life rather than living microbes. But we've found a lot of features that could preserve that evidence if we get them back to Earth in the laboratory. So we're always on the lookout for that. What are the signs made of? Signs of X streams, rivers, who knows, water? Yep, habitability. We want to make sure we're looking at a rock that could preserve signs of life. So rather than something igneous, maybe something sedimentary, a lake sediment, for example. But were you seeing anything that was resembling a living thing? Yes, so... The goals of this mission extend beyond habitability. So the last mission to Mars with a similar rover, Curiosity, was focused on the habitability of these ancient environments. And we did find habitable environments. We found an ancient lake where life as we know it could presumably have survived. So with this mission, we're going back to similar environments, new crater with a new set of instruments, and we're looking for that evidence itself. Rather than habitability and focusing on the presence of water and other things like that, we're looking for the actual evidence of life, which could be things like microbial fossils, stromatolites, for example, which are these layered fossilised microbial mats, essentially. As we get in Western Australia. As we get in Western Australia. And that is how someone like myself could get involved in a mission like this. My background is in geobiology. I did my PhD research on evidence for really old life 
in Australia. Australia has some of the oldest rocks on Earth. We've got the best preserved Archean, so three and a half billion year old rocks that contain evidence for these early Earth environments and microbial life. And we're looking for the same sort of thing on Mars. You keep saying microbial. Now, how do you get good vision of such tiny creatures across those squillions of miles? It's not easy. Actually, on Earth, we've only been doing this for about 50 years. Um, for a long time, our really old rocks in, in Australia, in Western Australia, we thought were probably quite younger, just uh, mysteriously lacking fossils. But as we learn to date them radiometrically, isotopes, and look more closely, we realised, well, one, they're really old, and two, they actually have a lot of evidence for life. Some of that evidence you can see with your naked eye, it's large enough to see with a camera on a rover, a stromatolite, for example, one of these fossilised microbial mats. We can also sometimes see the actual body fossils of individual microbial cells. Now, to do that, we need to slice the rock open and have a really close look under the microscope. Um, and there are even other biosignatures we can find with our instrumentation. Organic carbon, for example, we might be able to see in a rock, or isotope fractionations and so on. Interesting, isn't it? So much easier if you've got E.T. just waving from behind a rock. Yeah. But uh, what does it look like? I don't know whether we've seen terribly much on television, for example, on uh, some sort of current affairs coverage, but uh, we've got a vision of, you know, it's red and it's desert-like and it's fairly flat. Do you get variety to look at? Yeah, actually we, we do. Um, much more variety than we get, say, in uh, the Tanami Desert, for example, in Australia. Mars, it's uh, less complicated than the Earth, and in some ways, it's people like to call it a dead planet. It doesn't have plate tectonics. It doesn't have as much weather. There's no life on the surface, but it's definitely not completely dead. So the moon, for example, nothing much happens on the moon. It's in a hard vacuum. It's all volcanic rock. There's very little happening now. Mars, on the other hand, does still have volcanism today. It does have an atmosphere. There is some weather. We see willy-willies, we dust devils uh, almost every day. And throughout the last few hundreds of millions to billions of years, there has been volcanism, there's been deposition of sedimentary rocks, there have been large bodies of water on the surface of Mars, rivers and lakes, maybe even oceans. And so there's quite a lot of diversity in what, in what we see. And there are plenty of surprises too. What about the rover? Is it still working well? It's been up there for a long, long time and uh, driving it. It has. It has. The prime mission was one Mars year, so about two Earth years. We're now over 1,000 Mars days, which are a little longer than an Earth day, and everything's still functioning almost perfectly. How? <laughs> you know, it's such a long way and it's a little machine. Well, the people that do this sort of thing, I'm talking about the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, one of the NASA centres in the United States, They've been doing it for longer than anyone. They've been pushing the limits for longer than anyone. We've been to Mars before numerous times. People like to say Mars is really hard. It is really hard. But we've done this with a similar rover before. So we're really at a state where we're doing new and difficult things, but getting a rover there and driving it around and making sure the wheels don't stop working and that sort of thing. We've got that down pat. My final question is one you're not allowed to answer. <laughs> I'm going to try it anyway. Do you have a standby? You've agreed that when you do see something and you know it's something, what happens next and how you release the news? Well, all of the information collected by NASA rovers and other NASA science missions, by law, has to be released publicly eventually. Now, we do get a small window where we can discuss it as, as scientists, and we're very 
careful. It's similar to the problems we have when we look for something new in Earth's ancient geological record. The information is really hard to interpret and there's not a lot of it. So we try not to jump to conclusions too quickly. We think carefully about the balance of probabilities. We try to acquire more and more evidence before we decide to make our interpretation. We try to maintain multiple working hypotheses as well. On Mars, you know, this is a really extraordinary claim. So hopefully we've got really great evidence. And honestly, even if we find something that really looks like a stromatolite, one of these fossil microbial mats, or even a dinosaur bone sticking out of the, the regolith, we're going to need to get it back in the lab, I think, before we can really make that call. And there are plans, actually, to go and fetch stuff. There are. Perseverance is the first of a series of missions which will eventually bring samples back to Earth. Really technically challenging thing. Probably the biggest challenge for space exploration at the moment. I mean, we have to survive long enough to meet the follow-on mission, which will take the samples we've carefully collected and, and tried to understand on Mars and blast them into orbit around the Martian planet. And then a third mission, we'll have to take them out of Mars orbit and bring them back to Earth. So this is a process that'll take at least another 10 years, and then we'll finally get tiny little M&M-sized chunks of Mars in our laboratories. Well done, thank you. <laughs> no worries, thank you. Dr. David Flannery at QUT and our final tall poppy just shows what you can achieve when you take on a geology degree, exploring another planet and showing NASA where to look for life. Good science degrees can or may take you almost anywhere. David to Mars, Danielle around the world. Next week, following that Nobel to the two COVID researchers, let's look at the pandemic and explore what's next. Production finally by Shelby Traynor. Now off to the Boyer Lectures. And welcome back, David Fisher. I'm Robin Williams.